How long after New Year did you fall off the wagon? Answer me this, answer me this. Harry Potter get a stiffy whilst riding his dragon. Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Happy ninth birthday, answer me this. Happy New Year, Helen. Happy New Year, Oliver. Thank you. Hope it's going to be a good one. It will be an exciting one for you. It will be an exciting one for me, and I hope, listeners, it will be an exciting one for you too, although not so that you lose your shit. Yeah. Uh, because Keep hold of your shit. Uh, here is a uh, typical email we've received over the festive season. Mm. It's from uh, Ed in New York, who says... A drunk party guest has oh. broken a chair. Oh. Uh, well, actually, he clarifies, a bench with drawers for shoes, which I moved over to the table from the apartment entryway. A bench with drawers for shoes. Yeah. Um, that doesn't sound to me like he's describing, you know, a piece of antiquity that he has refurbished in some way so it has this new function to hold his footwear. This sounds to me like a purpose-built piece of furniture which okay. is designed to be in the apartment entryway. Well, let's withhold judgment on that. Well, I think it's crucial to the question. Oh, you do? Yeah. He says, uh, somehow uh, this party guest broke one of the drawers whilst sitting on it. This is why I think it's crucial, Helen, because obviously not designed to be sat on, is it? It's obviously designed right. to have footwear in it. Sitting on the drawer or sitting on the bench? Doing anything we on it know. apart from putting your shoes in it. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> hey, Martin. <laughs> Thanks for joining us yet again. Uh, uh, Ed... <laughs> uh, Ed continues uh, Anyway, I looked at the uh, furniture And despite how handy I am There is no way to fix this uh, And I will have to replace the furniture I'll have to Aww. buy a new one Why? So, Helen, <laughs> answer me this Can I ask the drunk party guest For financial compensation? The drawers are worth $186 uh, Or is this petty? And is it just one of those things? Hmm. I do see this group most weeks for Tea and Philosophy Club. Oh, and you don't want to cause a eruption in Tea and Philosophy Club. So I could ask him to get a couple of rounds next week and call it even. I know New York's expensive, yeah. but are two rounds of drinks $186? Tea as well. Yeah. I didn't know tea was $186 anywhere. It's very often $3 in the States and they don't even put the bag in the cup for you. Also, I'm guessing at that price, which as you point out is expensive for beverages, um, I'd say not expensive for furniture... Uh, that for me helps sway my answer to the question because I think if you buy something like that from Ikea uh, realistically you're not expecting it to outlive you you know at some mm. point it's going to fall apart I think it might depend on what kind of guy this is if he's someone who when he's sober and you say oh, excuse me you broke my piece of furniture and I can't fix it he might go oh my god I'm so sorry can I pay for a replacement yeah and feel remorse whereas if he's someone who's a bit arrogant who's like don't remember it sorry then maybe he's someone you want to eliminate from your team philosophy club anyway yeah and actually of course at a drinking based scenario the former character that you describe can suddenly become a loudmouth arrogant don't care so and so and it's just the alcohol talking he didn't know he'd displace your shoes this has happened in my life um, Not this exact thing, that would be spooky. Very similar. Really? In 2004, we had a housewarming party for the shared house I was living in. Oh in God, Peckham. is this your way of telling me that I sat on your dining no. table and collapsed it and you've no. never, <laughs> never think, told me to now? I think this is a, a party where you came, you were lovely, and our friend John was very rude to you and then threw up in his own hand. Oh, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but that, that's a side issue. I remember the party um, exactly. Someone we didn't know very well was renting a room temporarily off us in this house, so she invited some friends to the flat warming uh-huh. and one of them threw... A plastic garden chair off the balcony. It fell four stories onto concrete and broke. Why would they do that? And it was not someone we knew because he was pissed and a twat. Um, and pissed twats are bad people. 
Um, yeah, particularly if you're walking underneath. Yeah, and it was my housemate's mum's garden chair. She had supplied them for our house, trusting us not to destroy them. Yeah. And I think we mentioned it to the girl who was renting the room as the ambassador for her twatty friend. And she was just like, <laughs> sorry. I don't think she made any serious play to replace the chair. No. And I think the friend Claire, whose garden chair it was was really annoyed but not enough to pursue the extra annoyance of trying to get compensation for a chair that she didn't fundamentally care about beyond the principle of it having been smashed i've been in situations where it's been a party where you stay over and uh, actually morning after people who the night before were flamboyantly waving their arms around and smashing furniture are the next morning on their knees with a can of mr muscle just trying to make amends as soon as possible so they can leave this is why i think you need to say to this guy you broke my furniture say it in a conciliatory kind way and he's more likely to act with remorse um but maybe it's time to resign yourself to upgrading your entryway furniture well that's my yeah that's my angle iron that is impossible to break Uh, yeah my angle would be don't make the same mistake and buy the same piece of entryway furniture get something else that isn't going to break when someone sits on it because at some point someone will sit on it again an entryway piece of furniture that is a bench with shoe storage is intended to be sat upon whilst you put your shoes on yes i suppose it is yeah surely (laughs) if they'd moved it to a dinner table for a party then perhaps it had more than one person sitting on it and it's not designed for that it's a bench it's designed for sitting well, I won't hear anything the else. The point is, we both say don't buy the same one again. That would yeah. be a mistake. It's proven itself inadequate for your Spend needs. Spend more, but get him to make a contribution. Good idea. Ed, it's the January sales. Treat yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. This is Will from Durban, um, South Africa. Helen and Ollie uh, answer me this. Um, what's the most kind of socially acceptable or polite way of asking someone's name who you've obviously met a couple of times before. Um, I do this the whole time. I'm, I'm really bad with names, but I can recognize people. I know I've met them before, and it just it still feels awkward, and I feel uh, I should know. So Helen and Ollie, um, how do I do that? I do this as well. I hate myself for it. I forget people's names. I hate you for it as well. Yeah. Who are you? Uh- <laughs> Um, I mean, I just feel like after 15 years, it's embarrassing to ask. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's why we wrote the theme tune. Yeah. Um, Helen at what? <laughs> um, and also I forget people's jobs. So I can't remember the jobs of friends and they've been in the jobs for that long. But my way around this with people is usually to ask somebody else. Yes. I can, you know, just sneak How? over to them in the just room and say, say it's so embarrassing. Is. I know I've met that guy before, but what's his name? G- girl at work did this actually the other day. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was when I was in at the weekend on LBC and it was the woman who was doing the traffic bulletin. She was sitting in front of her big screens of traffic. Yeah. And then another girl came up to her and was like, oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, my God, I haven't seen you for a year. Do you remember we were at this thing? And they had this long chat. Well, and then the girl w- went away and the traffic girl looked at me and was like, I have no idea who that was. <laughs> was that? Do you know who that was? And I didn't know her name either. Mm-mm. So then she picked up her phone and called a mutual friend and said, yeah, do you know a brunette? She's about 22. Really, really nice. She was devastated. She couldn't remember the girl's name. The point is the girl didn't know right. that she didn't remember her name. So what difference does it make? No, true. She's uh, tearing herself up about it for no reason. She could have checked her lanyard or asked at the security desk to see where she'd signed in. That would, Yeah, that's some proper Sherlock shit, isn't yeah. it? But you, maybe you should do that kind of investigative work. My other option, if you will is introduce them to somebody else. Yeah. I'll often go, oh, this is Martin. And then Martin will be like, hi, I'm Martin, and shake their hand. They'll be like, oh, I'm so-and-so. Yeah. And then I'm like, yes, and but write it down mentally. there is that pause where you say, this is Martin. And they expect you to... And that it's then highlighting the fact that you haven't said, and this is Scott, because you don't know it's Scott. Yeah, but I can't think of a neat way that does not require any accomplices. I can. 
Great. I use it all the time. I need it. If I do this in front of you, it's because I've forgotten your name. Okay. <laughs> what I do, and you can only do this once, mm-hmm. but it works in oh, industry settings. But it's not how do you spell that? No, but it's close. Because that often backfires when Less their cumbersome. name is really easy. Less cumbersome. Here's what I do. You know, we should uh, we should follow each other on Twitter. You on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? Yeah, yeah, but what if they're called something like Funky Monkey? Doesn't matter because you go at Funky Monkey and then their name will probably. Yeah, come. but uh... what if it doesn't? What if it's at Funky Monkey? The handle is Funky Monkey and their website is funkymonkey.co.uk. It's never let me down. Could one never day. let me down. And that's why you follow like six thousand people, <laughs> yes, isn't it? They're all people who I've met at parties that didn't want to admit I'd forgotten their name. Yeah. You've got a question. Then email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at Here's a question from Niall in Gateshead who says, While watching cartoons with my three-year-old daughter... I finally realised the meaning of life. Ren and Stimpy are way existential. (laughs) I had to Google Huey, Dewey and Louie so that I could tell her which duck was which. Yeah, you can sort of tell by the colours of hats they're wearing, although it depends on the age of the cartoon you're watching. While doing this, I found out that their Uncle Donald is their legal guardian. Yep. So Ollie answered me this. How did Huey, Dewey and Louie come to live with Donald Duck and is there some sort of tragic backstory? Uh, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because effectively, they're Donald's three sons, really, in terms right. of Donald is the sole adult responsible for them. But being an uncle gives them a bit more licence to be less Absolutely. authoritative, doesn't it? And a bit less protective as well. So the mm. joke is a little bit easier that his you know, his house is crashing around him because it's his, his nephew's up to no good. It's not his own family, you know, mm. direct bloodline kind of fucking him from the inside. Um, <laughs> so there's that. And I, I suppose it... it it means as well that the relationship with Daisy is a little bit easier to comprehend because Daisy and Donald don't live together. Daisy's mm. his girlfriend, even though they've got the same surname. Um, and so certainly in the 1930s and 40s, you can imagine it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be on for Donald to have three sons with a woman on the other side of town. Is it because you don't want to think of Donald having had a relationship which has either ended in death or failure? Or pre-Daisy. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, the Disney fan just wants Donald and Daisy to have been ever... Always the only ones. Exactly. Uh, In any case, uh, they are, in fact, the children of everyone's favourite Disney character, Della Duck. Uh, Mm, Della Duck being Donald's sister. (laughs) Yeah. Had all the merch. Uh, And in the comics, because it's quite interesting, Huey, Dewey and Louie uh, made their debut in a Silly Symphony cartoon, but it's Mm. actually in the comics. That they really come alive. That they really come alive. They turned out to be, and it's not surprising when you realise that actually if you, if you compare them to all the other Disney characters who are quite bland really you know Mickey Whoa. no no a very important part of my heart but but, but they, they're, they're essentially nice and they all get along with each other boring Huey, Dewey and Louie inject uh, young boy mischief into the stories antagonism mm. yes mm-hmm. so it's not at all surprising their eight year old boys reading the comic books identified with those three characters the most okay. so actually they became so popular in the comic books that they became regular part of the Disney family in fact and this is an astonishing thing to consider. In order, Donald, Huey, Dewey and Louie are the most uh, reprinted comic book characters of all time that aren't superheroes. No shitting way! Yeah. Mm. After Spider-Man and Superman, Huey, Dewey and Louie. Even more than Harvey Pika? It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, they grew in popularity in the comic book. So there's two versions of the story. 
So the story that's in the Silly Symphonies is just Donald's looking after them for the day. Uh, and because that was made in the 1930s, that's sort of their origin story. Mm-hmm. But then in the comic books, it went back to explain why they're now living with Donald permanently. And that was really because the comic book had been so popular. Right. And, and what was established was, uh, and there is a bit of a dark story here, mm-hmm. uh, they have played a practical joke on their father, uh, which involves putting firecrackers under his chair. Oh, no. And such are the horrors of his injuries that he's never recovered and is never mentioned again. They maimed their father. Essentially, yes. I mean, it's a temporary thing, but it goes on in, in cartoon terms for decades. And you never see him in the Disney stores either. Exactly, no. Della and their dad, whose name Not we don't even, even know. No. Not, don't even know what colour hat no. he has. I mean, no wonder Scrooge is a grump. You know, he's got a nightmare family beneath him. Yeah. What happens to Della then? I guess she's just... Uh, like so many women of history, exactly. marginalised. <laughs> yeah. Erased. Yeah. But actually, historically, it was not uncommon for nieces and nephews to go and live with aunts and uncles. I remember reading a biography of Jane Austen, and I think it was rich friends of the family or rich aunt and uncle, they didn't have any children. And it was perfectly normal, therefore, that Jane Austen's brother was dispatched to live with them. There was just a lot of child swapping. Well, in fact, in sort of novels from that era... It's always the ward, isn't there? I think of Jane yes, Eyre here. Yes, but she was a poor ward who was an orphan, whereas this was saying, even if you had a family that you could stay in, often that family would generously loan you out permanently. But also travel took longer. So, yeah. I, I mean, I guess, you know, if, if you're living in a completely different state in the 1930s, it's, it's two or three days' journey, isn't it, even now? Well, a duck could fly. <laughs> That's um, true. Maybe they migrated to Donald each summer, but that was the only part of their lives that was depicted. Yes. I think ducks, those ducks would travel by human form because if they were flying without their clothes, they might get shot and hunted. Yes, I think so that was being silly. Essentially, they're passing as people. Would you like to know who Huey, Dewey and Louie were named after? Is it the members of Huey Lewis and the News? Was it Fun Loving Criminals, Dewey Cox from Walk Hard and Louis C.K.? <laughs> uh, it was uh, the Republican presidential candidate Thomas E. Dewey, mm-hmm. the Democratic oh. governor of Louisiana Huey Long, mm-hmm. and an animator from the Disney Studios, Louis Schmidt. Oh. But in every other language around the world, to recreate that rhythmic pleasure of their name, yeah. they've got different names. Can you furnish us with an example? In Sweden, they're known as Nat, Fnat and Tiat. <laughs> <laughs> in France, they're known as Riri, Fifi, and Lulu, which is kind of yeah, sexy. But yeah, but they don't rhyme. In Russia, Billy, Willy, and Dilly. How like is that Dilly. possible? Because they don't really have a W sound in Russian. Yeah. They, it would have to be a Y and then an I, like Willy. And in Danish, Rip, Rap, and Rub. Okay. Mm. That's quite hard to understand. If you imagine Donald Duck's accent in Danish, Trying to distinguish between rip, rap and rup, that's harder than Huey, Dewey and Louie. Also, I can imagine a parent giving their children rhyming names as people give all of their children a name beginning with K, say. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I can't imagine a parent calling them rip, rap and rup. No, Huey, Dewey and Louie are actually cool names. Mm. Yeah. It is cute, isn't it? And also, that baby features that they have, mm. I think that's given them longevity as well. I don't mean literally because they're younger. I mean because they, they are cute. Like Kylie. Yes, I mean, she's in her exactly. mid-40s now, but yeah. still the same effect as when she was young. There's a fourth nephew as well. Really? Fooey. <laughs> and the reason he's called Fooey is it's slang. And the reason for that is... He doesn't really exist at all, but oh. um, some animators put him in by mistake into a comic book. Oh, so it's a joke. Fooey is a joke. Yeah, because mm. they, you know, they were mass producing Disney comics at one stage, yeah. obviously. 
and there are a few bits of the comic where you're drawing a lot of ducks. Yeah, You've got a scene just... where like Donald and Daisy are talking to Scrooge and Huey, Dewey and Louie are getting up to mischief in the background. You're just crapping out ducks it's like basically... an automaton at that point. <laughs> that's, that's seven ducks that essentially all look the same except slightly yeah. feminised or with an old hat on. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, in a couple of bars of, of this comic strip, there's a fourth nephew. So they decided, right, uh, yeah, that's Fooey Duck. Do you think he's the dutiful nephew that goes to see his dad in the hospital? He probably is, yeah. <laughs> he's probably come to say, guys, you've not seen your father in years. <laughs> he, you're the reason he's there. Let's pause now and uh, take an intermission. And it's a clip from Answer Me This, episode 74. From way back in 2008. I think maybe episode 74 was around the time I had my gallbladder out, so maybe I'm still quite anaesthetised in it. Um, Anyway, uh, episode 74, along with all of our first 200 episodes and our albums and our apps, is available to buy at answermethisstore.com. And by buying any stuff from there, you are helping support this show. Anyway, we had an email from Elliot, 14, from the seaside town of Redcar. Lovely town to live in. What a lovely name for a young man. And how nice to be near the seaside. Indeed. Just the existence of Elliot has made me excited. Oh, good. And a red car. Toot toot. (laughs) (laughs) Elliot says, Ollie, answer me this. Mm. What is the use of a hooked hand for a pirate, really? (laughs) <laughs> Wouldn't it just get in the way? Wouldn't a series of attachments be easier? I suggest a telescope, a sword, a fishing rod and a selection of cutlery and crocodile repellent spray. <laughs> Do you want us a sword would be the best thing? Because you could also cut your dinner with that, couldn't you? What about a whisk? Or a spork? What's the fucking point of a whisk? Well, no one's ever got a whisk when they need one. Well, I think the answer, actually, Elliot, is it prevents one from indulging in too much uh, me time when you're out at sea <laughs> on those lonely nights. That's a good thing. You've got so, cabin boys for that and exa- a parrot. <laughs> exactly. But I imagine the real reason is it just looks scary, doesn't it? Uh, you could do a good gouge with that, couldn't you? You've chosen to have a hook for a hand rather than a fake hand, <laughs> um, and that is a little bit scary. Yeah, Abu Hamza's not going for practicality, yeah, is he? <laughs> Where does Abu Hamza have a hook for a hand? Why doesn't he just have a have a prosthetic? Because he... that wouldn't look scary, Martin, when he's doing those videos. He probably wears well, a prosthetic the rest of the time, but when he's on camera, he likes to look frightening. He could just wear a prosthetic and paint his fingernails black. That would be pretty scary. Couldn't he have a baby's head or something? That would be scary. Baby's head. <laughs> baby's head. Listeners, please do give us a call and leave a question on the question line, the number for which is... 0208123 Or you can Skype Answer Me This. Hello, this is Verity and Ian calling from London. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Uh, we were just walked past a very fancy high street fashion label and we noticed that in all of their shops they have singer sewing machines in the windows and th- like as decorations throughout the store. Are these all original singer sewing machines? Uh, and if so, where the hell do they source them from? Bye! This is All Saints they're referring to, isn't it? Yes, not the band, the shop. Not the band, the shop. Uh, which is now quite a big, I've noticed, a global brand. Yeah, I think they have over 100 stores. And they worldwide. all have these singer sewing machines in the window. All of them. And there are hundreds in most of the stores because the windows are big. So and I guess not real singer well, sewing machines. Well, I assumed that because singer sewing machines of that era, they're, they're kind of late Victorian sewing machines. Those yeah. are heavy. Yes. And they're stacked several high in the windows. And I was like, how structurally that would pull down the window or whatever those things are standing on yeah. but yeah they're real are they apparently how have they done it i don't know whether some of them are real so they can be like yeah they're real look there's notes tucked in mm. there from the original owners and the rest are made out of polystyrene or something apparently some of them are factory outcasts but then i don't know where mm. they've been in the intervening century in a bit a few questions that i need to know <laughs> do, do you think singer manufacture retro sewing machines just for this purpose now 
because it still exists as a, yeah, as a modern sewing machine it's like until very very recently you could still buy an original mini and an original Beetle VW oh, okay like they were still making the ones from the 50s and 60s weren't they mm, into the 90s I don't think they were making these because sewing machines have changed such a lot I mean these are like pedal powered rather yeah. than electric powered and people haven't used those because they're really hard to use for nearly a century but mm. uh, apparently a lot of them came from India so I think probably what happened was they updated the equipment in a lot of sweatshops that was probably a few decades behind what it would have been here yeah. or in the States. But then again, I, st- I still think that would have been quite a long time before All Saints had need of them or had the idea for them. It still takes a really odd imagination to say, we've got this contract to kit out this uh, brand of clothes stores that, you know, yeah. yeah, they're upmarket, they're overpriced, they're basically black, everything they do is black. I think everything looks a bit like it's been through a muddy puddle. <laughs> exactly. For 200 quid. Uh, and I, I'm applauding this. I mean, it's a creative treatment of the brief, isn't it? Let's take yeah. 100 sewing machines and put them in the window. But it's then to do that in every store around the world. Yeah. When I first saw it, I thought, that's original, albeit a bit redolent of the sweatshops that probably manufactured these garments. Yeah. But then when you see it in a second one, you're like, hang on a minute, what the hell is going on here? And all these things, it becomes passe, doesn't it? It's kind of like when you see the Hollister Beach House for the first time. You're like, wow, it's a, it looks like a real Californian beach house, but it's inside. Wow, mind How blown. Could it be? Is there, and then you go in and you're like, oh, it all, it all smells of teenage sex. And they've got weird library lights everywhere. And they've got a live feed of, of California. And then you're like, oh, okay, it's the same as the one next door for Abercrombie and the one yeah. for Joe Hicks and the one in every shopping centre in the world. So it, it makes it less special. It's better to have a different yeah. treatment for every store, I think. And I can imagine that when they first kitted out maybe a couple of stores to be flagships, they were like, well, we found these sewing machines they're pretty cheap because no one wants them because no one does want them because they're heavy and they're really difficult to operate Uh and then they were like well this trope has been really successful let's do it in all of them but then with 100 stores with several hundred machines in each window where do you find 50,000 old sewing machines like how would you know that there was landfill in India that had all these machines lying about it just baffles me I would like to know all saints insiders Give us all of the details. Here's another question of fashion from Paul in Shenzhen, China, who says, Helen, answer me this. How long is the history of the boxing belt? And why is the prize a belt and not something more in keeping with other sports, such as a metal trophy? Is it because a trophy would be too heavy to lift after you've spent an hour beating someone up? Enlighten me, please. All right. I mean, why is a trophy better than a belt? Trophies are useless. I'm, uh, well... Take uh, up a lot of room. I, I disagree. I think cups are cool. Uh, belts, I have never really thought of before as yeah. why this would be. I suppose, is it that you would then wear the belt in other fights? You come in the, in the boxing ring wearing it to show I, your status? I think you would take it off before combat. But sure. yes, I mean, I think it probably is a practical thing because your arms might be tired and you might not want to show that off. But also you can wear it and parade around whilst also having your hands, which are the most important part of a boxer, right, on display so everyone can worship and admire your hands and see that you're a winner. Might it be that you're still wearing gloves? Also that. I mean, some people speculate that um, the trophy was impractical because if you were wearing boxing gloves, you couldn't lift it. And that's why the boxing belts came in. However, the first boxing belt was given as a prize to a bare knuckle boxer. So, bullshit. I think it might have uh, its origins in the martial art belts. You know, in in karate and stuff, you go up to black belt, right? Yeah. Yeah, So it's that thing of once you've got that status, you could then walk around for the rest of your life wearing that belt. I mean, clearly you wouldn't because they're made of silver and they're really heavy. It's not really a belt. It's more like a cummerbund, doesn't it? When the boxers, you'd think, would be the last people that would need to hold their their flab. I mean, really, it's more like a girdle. 
Which, I, which mm, traditionally worn by women. I so. think if they said <laughs> the heavyweight winner of the girdle of the year, <laughs> uh, that probably wouldn't be quite so desirable. But anyway, the first boxing belt was rewarded by King George III in one oh, of his periods of lucidity uh-huh. mm. um, in 1810 to Tom Cribb, who reigned as the bare-knuckle champion of England from 1809 to 1822. It's interesting that even monarchs back then, it was okay to say they like boxing. Because the thing with yeah. boxing is I know people listening and be like, oh, no, boxing's a sport and it's you, know, you have to be a great athlete and there's a lot of mental agility. And I'm sure all that's true, yeah. but it is still two men hitting each other. So there has mm. been a check and mm. pass, hasn't there, where people have, have pointed out yeah. this is quite a brutal sport of two men hitting each other. Well, or sometimes women, but mainly men. Mainly right, men. Yeah. And, and therefore, you know, should we be giving it the platform of saying this is equal to... Uh, sports where you don't end up with brain damage. Yeah, but I mean, back then, blood sports were still, like, totally fine. Yeah, so but it's, that's why I think it's kind of notable that, you know, kings and queens have been involved. Tom Cribb, uh, the bare-knuckle champion, was fighting Tom Molyneux, um, who was a former slave who'd come over from the USA. He'd been trained by his father, as had his brother, to box other slaves for the entertainment of plantation owners because they were born into slavery. And because his owner won a large sum of money betting on his fights, he was freed and uh, then moved to England to make a career in boxing. And so he had this fight which went for 35 rounds with Tom Cribb. Wow. Like just on and on. Everyone was expecting Tom Cribb to beat Tom Molyneux pretty fast, but it just went on and on and on. And by the end, he may have broken his hand, which explains why he lost. And then he died of alcohol-related liver failure when he was only 34. Well, whatever he achieved in his life, Helen, he didn't go on to invent, quote-unquote, a flat-iron grill. So that's why George Foreman's better. Well, it was difficult to no. invent things with plugs in 1810. One man achieved great things in boxing and went on to yeah. develop a grill. The other one died. Who's better? Well, when you put it like that, <laughs> neither of the Toms have done very well grill-wise. <laughs> this summer I'm getting wed to my sweetheart. We've got the cake, the dress, the band. It's Captain Beefheart. And we'll both drive down the aisle in a pair of matching go-karts. The photos will be we use squarespace.com to build our wedding website So our friends can RSVP and see our plans for the night And we'll link to our gift list We don't want any old shite Seriously guys, a hundred quid minimum Big thanks to squarespace.com for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This And uh, for making it very easy to build yourself a great looking website That works seamlessly across desktop and tablet and phone Yeah and if you've got no imagination, doesn't matter. They supply templates. Go to Squarespace and uh, fiddle around in the two-week free trial. See where that takes you. And then if you want to sign up for a year, you can get 10% off using the code ANSWER. And remember, by doing that, you are alerting uh, our great patrons at Squarespace that their money is well spent here at Answer Me This and you want to support us as well. Yeah, because Serial have enough support. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tom from Edinburgh. Tell and Ollie, answer me this. Why is it that butlers are so posh, given that they're basically servants. Are they really posh, or are they encouraged to appear posh because, unlike many domestic staff, they were expected to appear in front of the above-stairs people? And speak to them. You're representing the house, mm. right? So You look at an ambassador. Exactly. So when a guest arrives, you're the first person they speak to, you're the mouthpiece for the mm. house. You need to basically say what your master would be saying, but on his or her behalf. Mm. That's quite a responsibility. I thought butlers were much better paid than, you know, a, a cook or a maid or... Valet. 
Yeah. The butler was often a manager, effectively. Exactly. Well, a modern day mm. butler now. If you get a butler now, let's all just drop the image of Carson and Alfred for a second. Jeeves. Uh, okay, fine. I don't know who the other ones are. Uh, do you really not? It's one in Fresh Prince. Uh, Downton Abbey and uh, Batman, respectively. Right. Mm. Um, Interesting that you leapt straight to Jeeves. I agree, he's a famous butler too. Yeah. He's the best butler. It yeah. doesn't he's matter. the best butler. That's the question we're answering. He's the best butler. He's probably the archetypal butler. He's I the agree. best butler. I think in 2016, he's so resourceful. my he's... references were probably more on people's minds. Yeah, but Jeeves, fine, is really, Jeeves has really created the image fine. of what is required of butling. Fine. The, the point being, anyway, if you hire a butler now, yep. um, you are... Because, like, if someone said to me, do you want a butler, Ollie? Yeah. I'd say, even if I was really rich, I'd say, don't be ridiculous. I'm yeah. not going to stand on have people standing on ceremony for me. But actually, <laughs> if someone said, and I could afford it, yeah. right, it's 50 grand a year, but for that, you're getting a personal assistant, yeah. someone who's going to park your car for you, someone who's going to oversee all the other staff who come in, sort through your mail, make sure the cleaner's doing their work. Oh, and your underpants. And the garden contractors. Act as a private secretary for your personal admin. It's like a Do real life filofax for you. Exactly. Manage all the events that you're organising at home and caretake for your property. If you're rich... Yeah. That is a really useful thing, isn't it? It's it's like having your own concierge, really. Or PA. Exactly. Or staff, I mean, it's a staff manager. And it's not it? so yeah, ridiculous yeah. when you look at it like that. And so I think the only thing that differentiates a butler from all those other things, concierges, PA, whatever, mm. uh, is that they have that slightly posh history. And if you want a butler, that's kind of what you're buying into. But also, if you're getting a butler, you're getting somebody who is dressing in that kind of yeah. black tie version of butler. You're not getting somebody who's wearing a more dynamic suit, are you? You're going to a sort of historical image for that person to inhabit. You're also getting someone who, in their skill set, has the ability to be sneery to people, mm. which is important because it's a, it's a bit like, I think, getting an agent to represent you if mm. you're in showbiz. You know, you want someone who has the ability to be really nice for the jobs yeah. that you want, and but, also when someone calls to say, well, that's not enough money, and hang up the phone. Yeah. The name Butler actually comes from butt. Uh, wow. As in, not in bottom, oh. uh, but as in yep. wooden container for liquid. Gosh. As in the bloke who goes down to the cellar to get your alcohol. Wow, he's really oh. branched out since then. Uh, again, like, you know, that's a domestic job, isn't it? Go down to the cellar, yep. get the booze. But this is booze if you're a posh guy living in a country house 100 years yeah. ago that's worth a lot of money and has come from around the world. Mm. And yeah. so you want someone who knows how to treat it, open it, serve it. Uh, yeah. Someone who can straddle the, the upstairs and the downstairs. So if you were a very, very rich person and you wanted to hire someone who ran your house and you're cook and your chauffeur and all of that stuff mm. what, but you didn't want them to be obsequious and wear black tie what would that person be called? I suppose it's an assistant but then it's weird getting your PA who sorts out your business diary to serve you booze do you know, I suppose an au pair is not so far away from a modern butler an butt adult a lot au pair, yeah. <laughs> rather than for your kids no but often uh, I think middle class households get an au pair to look after the kids and cook the kids meal yeah. and before you know mm. it it's suddenly oh Julie would you like to join us for our meal in the evening and yeah. then suddenly you know she's cooking for you and changing your sheets as well yeah but it's funny how making someone an au pair kind of denigrates them whereas making somebody a butler elevates them yes um, but also elevates you and your understanding of where you fit in society if you've got a butler you're probably a twat the cliche of the very sneery snarky and I'm sorry to go yeah. back to Alfred but I think that is the archetypal snarky yeah. butler or Jeeves no I think Jeeves I mean Alfred as portrayed by Michael Caine is not a very sneery butler no but he's old you never see him but all he does is carry gear down to the back cave but yeah because he's got a double purpose hasn't he? he's got dual life I anyway, saw his first purpose doesn't matter my point is I think it gets the Batmobile MOT'd as portrayed by anyone he's old Right. That was my point. Sure. Jeeves is sometimes middle-aged. Alfred is old. Yeah. Uh, I think when you're old, you're allowed to be a bit more tetchy. Right. Um, I mean, generally in life, people let you get... So, so therefore... Because often, mm. like, with, with Alfred, he's grown up seeing Bruce as a Master child. Bruce. And then becoming Batman. Yeah. Slash Bruce Wayne. 
Same with Carson in Downton Abbey. He's got a soft spot for Lady Mary, but also he's a bit snarky with some of the kids because he's seen them since they were little. I think sometimes this idea of the butler being a bit supercilious comes from the fact that they are older in literature. I think, actually, you're not going to be a butler when you're really young. It's a job you kind of have to work your way up through the different strata of uh, the household jobs to be. So you're unlikely to get a butler who's in his 20s. True, and, and they wouldn't have the same gravitas to be withering, would they? OK, here's my theory. I think it's with the social function of space. So I went to Hampton Court, and Hampton Court, there's room after room after room after room before you get to the king, uh, starting with, like, the army, see all the weapons you've got, and you, you're forced to wait. And when you finally get to the room, you've been very much put in your place and shown your status. Now, people can't do that nowadays, unless you're incredibly rich. You can't have 15 waiting rooms to get to the king but, but you can have a butler guy in white that, tie that basically looks, a dick. looks down upon you yeah. and makes you feel like you are lower class than the, than the host here's a question from jonathan from exeter who says ollie answer me this how many air force ones i assume he means the plane not the film have there been in history six planes oh. and and the film so seven air force okay. ones in total. <laughs> when was the earliest plane to be given that designation roosevelt had the first presidential plane in the 1930s mm-hmm. Uh, but the name Air Force One is the call sign. Okay. Um, and so if you're trying to tribute the first Air Force One plane, it doesn't quite work like oh, that. Oh, damn it! But the first time that the call sign was used was after 1953. Because in 1953, Eisenhower was in the same airspace uh, in a presidential plane, as was a commercial flight. Mm-hmm. And as you might imagine, that uh, really set the shit up them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they thought they'd give it a name. Uh, so from then on... Uh, whenever the president's been on a non-commercial flight, it is Air Force One. Is anyone else allowed to use Air Force One? Just the president? President and guests. Yeah. Uh, Very select guests, mind you. The Queen's been on it, Cameron's been on it. But the Queen couldn't borrow it if Obama wasn't using it. I reckon the Queen could borrow it. I'd lend it to the Queen, wouldn't you? I'd trust the Queen. I wouldn't trust it to Putin, that's for sure. The Queen's (laughs) just going to drink all the drinks. And is it like a normal private plane, or is it super souped up what do you think Helen <laughs> it's no, flying but... the most powerful man in the world yeah but like you would take the opportunity to soup it up would you not I guess well, it... has it got rims it's got seat back televisions everywhere <laughs> <laughs> until um, JFK mm-hmm. well I mean specifically until um, Jackie O really mm-hmm. uh, it was decorated like a normal Boeing mm-hmm. but Jackie was like, uh, you're the president. Can we get some decent curtains in here, please, if that's all right? Yeah, but I was wondering whether it had any special, like, armour or... Yeah, of course it does. It's a, mi- it's, a military, right. it's a military jet. Right, so it's a military jet on the outside done up to look like a private jet and a bit like the Oval Office on the inside. Sort of, but with an extra layer around the outside that makes it look like, well, nothing else apart from Air Force One because it's got that mm-hmm. special font on it, United States of America, and mm-hmm. the logo and the stamp and everything, mm-hmm. which makes it so distinctive and and why it's something that is so referenced in popular culture. Uh, But actually, for a long time, from 1962 to 1998, uh, there was uh, pretty much one plane that lasted all of the presidents from Kennedy to Clinton. That's good effort. Yeah, I mean, planes last a long time. It didn't fly that much. What did Clinton do to it? I know. Um, But uh, since then, there have been two planes in service. So there are actually two Air Force Ones. You can't be certain that the one you're looking at is the one that you think you're looking at. Is one of them a decoy? Not to my knowledge, uh, although they have previously done the thing where Air Force One itself is the decoy and the, the, the president is actually flying behind on something else. Right, I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Clinton did that when he flew to Pakistan. Right. He was on an unmarked Gulfstream plane. Oh. And then they had Air Force One flying ahead just in case anyone wanted to have a pop at it. God, that would really suck, wouldn't it, being the people who are on that 
Oh, who on Air Force One? <laughs> no, the president doesn't trust his life for this plane, but we're yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Helen, Oliver, though life is full of questions, there are answers you must know. One. No, it will not fall off, but moderation in all things too. Yes, there probably is, but we won't find out in our lifetimes. Three, most people prefer colliery, but my personal favorite is Dalton. Four, if you try and slip a one, it would ruin your friendship. Here's a question from Heather from Leeds, who says, During a recent trial month at my local gym and swim, I decided to use the jacuzzi at the side of the pool. As I approached, the bubbles finished, and three round-bellied men proceeded to remove themselves from the tub to rest on the tiles around the rim. Mm -hmm. My female friend and I, not bothered by the lack of bubbles and wanting to feel the warmth of the water, got into the jacuzzi for a soak. Quickly, the men became agitated, informing us that the bubbles would not start again unless the jacuzzi was empty. What? That's bollocks. Yeah. It's obviously bollocks. That's bollocks. I told them that I believed otherwise, as Martin and Ollie clearly do too, mm. but we got out to not cause a scene. <laughs> it's a hazing ritual, isn't it? When you're joining the gym, they're just checking that you're gym material. <laughs> After five minutes or so, the bubbles started, and they shrugged smugly at us as if their point had been proven. Wow. Oh, that's annoying. Do they not understand falsification? The next week, I was in the same bubble-less jacuzzi when the bubbles started with me in the water. So, Ollie, answer me this. Is there any truth to their logic? What would be the point of a jacuzzi only starting with no one in it? Only to further this mad lie, Heather. See if you'll join their brainwash cult where they believe that jacuzzis somehow operate not just autonomously, but autonomously reacting to the presence of human bodies. I suppose if there was some kind of danger that something was trapped in the jacuzzi vent that they wanted to get it out before the bubble started and made it worse I don't, I don't to get know. a proper clean going on i think it's more so that people get out of it yeah i think oh. that's absolutely right but also isn't it dangerous to stay in a jacuzzi for too long for like over yes. half an hour yes, especially yeah. if you're diabetic or so have they poor circulation. i mean dangerous well they don't want it's to not have dangerous, your dead body one on in a hundred people will faint whilst they're in there and then obviously they, that's not good if you don't uh, is that why, why, would, why, why would you faint just because of the heat because yeah. oh, right, you're an idiot, right, you haven't right. drunk enough water, and or you're, you're drunk. Oh, you're dehydrated. Yeah. Okay, and if you right. have poor circulation, like with all all the blood um, running to the surface of your body because your body's hot, then it means your head is going to be a bit bloodless, and thus you're more likely to faint. Have I spoken before on the show? I think I have about how my biggest dream for my home to have a home of my own was to have a hot tub in the garden. A hot tub of my own. <laughs> uh, yes, and I think that you have got room in your garden for a hot tub, Ollie, mm. but I suppose now you've got a baby on the way, you might want to put, I don't know, a sandpit there uh, or a tiny jail cell. Girlfriend removed a tree uh, earlier in the summer. Right. And I thought... You let a pregnant woman do lumberjack work? <laughs> uh, I let her tell the man who was cutting our oh, bush, okay. no pun intended, to remove the tree. And I was secretly hoping maybe this is it. Maybe this is her saying I can have my hot tub. Mm. Greenhouse. Oh. Who wants a greenhouse? Who wants... Who, what? Exactly. What's gonna, less fun wait, than a greenhouse? You can grow some nice tomatoes. Yeah. Oh. And I, I can watch someone else grow some okay tomatoes. Not, the same. not as much fun as getting in a hot tub like Kathy Bates. Yeah, but how much would you actually use it? A couple of times a year? As much <laughs> as Kathy Bates uses it in misery. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon I'd use it... Seriously, I reckon I'd use it six times a year and I'd be happy to pay the money for that. Yeah, but you could just go to a spa. How are you about socialising with the people in the situations? I mean, we were in, was it Inverness we were in? And there's a very nice jacuzzi we got chatting to a, 
really handsome fellow who was sat in there with me. You did score with a really handsome fellow when we were in Inverness, and I was editing the podcast, and you were <laughs> pulling. He was crazy. How long did you spend in the jacuzzi with him? Oh, I think a, a cycle. Oh, so just 12-minute bubble. Something bubble like race. that. I mean, yeah, that, that's yeah. enough to both get off. The whole way through the section, we've used, as people do with Hoover, for example, we've used yeah. the brand to yeah. mean hot tub. But... Chances are it's not a jacuzzi. Chances are it's just a hot tub. I think jacuzzi has transcended. It has. It's become the generic term. Did you know the jacuzzi brothers who developed the jacuzzi technology uh, were actually working in the aeronautics industry? I didn't. They mm. created something like the first closed aeroplane for the postal industry or something. Wow. In 1920s wow. only. The letters kept blowing away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the jacuzzi bath was a side project of one of the brothers because his son had rheumatoid arthritis. Wow. And they had a spare oh. aeroplane propeller. Yeah. It was the same technology brilliant. they used in the air pump, so they put it into a bath. Which oh, is yeah. nuts when you think about it, but actually brilliant. Well, listeners, this brings us to the end of this episode of Answer Me This. And actually, because Ollie's baby is due out this month, January 2016, yes. this is the penultimate episode before we take three months off for paternity leave. Well, I say it's three months off for paternity leave. Ollie's like, I'll be fine in a few weeks. I need longer than a few weeks to absorb the fact that he will be responsible for a human being. <laughs> so you're effectively getting maternity leave for Ollie's son. Well, that's how it works now, isn't it? Thanks yeah. to the Lib Dems, we can share it. <laughs> we're, we're colleagues. Also, I need a little break uh, from this show because I've spent so much time over the past nine years in front of a computer screen editing that, according to my GP, I have a vitamin D deficiency. So there we go. Is that true? Yeah. We diagnosed a couple of weeks ago. So there oh, we wow. go. It's, it's yeah. a joint effort. Uh, I'm having a baby. Helen needs a break. And some vitamin D. Um, we, we did used to, when the show was weekly, take three months worth off of time off every year anyway. Yeah. Without even having a baby to show for it. Um, it's just that we did it in three batches of one month at a time, whereas now we're doing it all at once. But we will come back. This is not going to be like the bugle, is it, Helen? We are coming back. Sure. We are coming back. <laughs> Don't do that because they'll freak out. Uh-huh. We, no, we are coming back. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, we will be here in two weeks' time for... Uh, a final pre-break episode of Answer Me This. If you want to send us a question, our contact details are on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com Wherever you can follow the links to uh, buy stuff from the Answer Me This store, including our classic episodes, the first 200 episodes of the show, and much else besides. It just remains for us to say thank you very much to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode. And let's see uh, which comes out first, next episode or Ollie's Baby. Ooh, (laughs) Ooh, tension. Place your bets, ladies and germs. (laughs) Bye! Bye. Bye.